The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. You may have heard before the news mention of the winter solstice and the shortest day of the year. Well, there used to be an account on Twitter called the Grand Ale Stretch. And what it would do was it would tell you how long the day was compared to the shortest or uh, longest day. And because, I don't know, Elon Musk dot dot dot, it no longer exists. However, when in doubt, there's always Gavin Riley. So Gavin Riley has tweeted out what the Grand Isle stretch would have said if it still existed, which is that there is now a Grand Isle stretch again. Yesterday evening was four seconds longer than the evening before. Now, of course, as soon as he said that, a lot of people went, well, actually, it's technically not the shortest day of the year. Yes, it's not the shortest day of the year just yet, but it gets longer in the evenings. So even though there's not the same amount of daylight, we're getting a bit of a stretch in the evening. And within about three or four days, it's going to start being longer as well. So we're turning the corner. We're almost out of it. This is particularly good news if you are a morning person. And there is further interesting news if you are a morning person, because it turns out that if you are one of the people who likes to get up at the crack of dawn, it may be because you are intrinsically Neanderthal. Luke O'Neill is with us, Professor of Biochemistry at the School of Immunology. I may be putting jam on this slightly, Luke, am I? You might slightly, yeah. yeah, yeah but it's a fascinating... I didn't realise there's a stretch in the evening. There is four already. seconds. Isn't and today is six. Because yeah. we're, we're waiting for the 21st, aren't we? But you never know. You know it's getting longer now, I guess. Did you, know, you, anyway. you, of course, would know this, but you know what I think is amazing? Newgrange is off kilter because of the planet. That's right. Isn't yeah, that brilliant? yeah. Well, Newgrange is the most amazing place, and honest to God, it's fantastic. It's, it's one of the pyramids, older than Stonehenge, you know. And as we know, the sun rises on the twenty-first and illuminates the inner chamber. Those ancient people, they were very clever, oh weren't they? How they positioned things. Yeah, it was fantastic. But th- this study is fantastic, and so we inherited. Uh, if you're a morning lark, I don't know whether you're a morning lark or, or a night owl, but you inherited the genes from that from Neanderthals. Can you believe it? The Stone Age people. Now explain this. I can. I'm sceptical. So 70,000 years ago, most people don't realise, Homo sapiens, our species, moved from Africa into Europe and we encounter the Neanderthals who are living in Europe. There's a million of them or more, right? And they're like what's called a subspecies. They're, they're hominids like us, but they're slightly different. They, these are your, your Stone Age, thick-browed people is the usual view of them. And the big question for a long time was, did we interbreed? And it seemed unlikely. It's a bit like coming across... Another primate, they got, they're a bit brutish, but of course the evidence then in the DNA is there. So once they got Neanderthal DNA, which they got to get from bones. But I assume, bone. as with all things, there is a bell curve. And if you found an outlier and spruced him or her up significantly, she might or he might look a little bit homo sapien. They might, yeah. And it, that's true. That's a good point. Anthony. We don't know what they look like, of course. But 4% of our genes in our bodies, most of us, are from the, that, 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 those couplings that happened with so we Neanderthals. Did get busy with Neanderthals. Oh, we did. And some have slightly more Stone Age genes and others. If some of your friends might be a bit more brutish. <laughs> it's not clear. But on average, it's 4% of the genes you and me are carrying are inherited from those, those offspring of the Neanderthal Homo sapiens interbreeding, you know. And it's a strange one. And of course, what happens is the initial child would have had 50-50, you know, from the Neanderthal and Homo sapiens. And then it gets bred out as you have more with other Homo sapiens is the idea. You get dilution, we call it. You know? But the thing about this study is, if you're a morning lark that originated in, from Neanderthals, they, they were morning people is the way to think of it. And then when the Homo sapiens encounter them and have now, with them. Now, how do we uh, know that? We don't. Well, this is the genes. This is on the, don't so. give me one of your high flute and it's the genes. <laughs> how do we know that Neanderthals got up earlier than Homo sapiens? I don't you're, believe you're, any see, of us do. You're far too smart on a Saturday morning. You're absolutely right. We, we can't go back in time and see them getting up on the crack of dawn, can we? You know? But what happened was a set of genes were found, oh, even uh, you know, a good few years ago, that seemed to predict this in us. So one is called clock. There's, there's a great name for a gene. There's a clock gene. Another one 
called period two because of the periodicity of the day. And those were identified as linked into whether you're a morning lark or, any, or, or a night owl. And lo and behold, they can track it back now and realise those, those variants originated in the Andathos. So it's more than likely then if, if you carry the clock that makes you a morning lark, you will be a morning lark. And that's what Neanderthals gave us. So does that mean that the level to which you perceive a circadian high or low is genetic as well as being environmental? Absolutely huge. That, that was the striking thing. It was first seen in fruit flies. And as you may know, Anton, we use fruit flies as an experimental they organism. They only last a very you know, short time. Well, well, you can study them, you know. <laughs> and they found the initial gene in the fruit fly. And if the, the fly carried that variant, it was inclined to have a different circadian rhythm, which is, of course, your, your rhythm throughout the day. And then they find the homologue, we call this in humans. And that's how the study begins, this whole area begins, in a sense. So again, this whole set of genes are found. And this big study realised lots of these genes then originated in Neanderthals. The big question is why was that, you see? In other words, why, why did um, Neanderthals get up early? Well, the day is shorter the further north you move. And they reckon that a Homo sapiens spent about a third of the time looking for food. Back, back in Africa, say. But it was a 12-hour day. You could afford to get up late then because there's lots of daylight. You know? If you move north, the day is shorter. Therefore, you better get up early. You know, Otherwise, you mightn't have enough time in the daylight to collect food. Now, hang on again. I'm sceptical again. Yeah. If I'm living in Africa and I have a longer day, my dawn is at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. Therefore, I am incentivized. If I'm going to be up for four hours, I might as well do it early in the morning or why not? If I'm in Neanderthal, as evidence today, dawn doesn't start until half eight. So I'm not, I'm not incentivized to get up at six o'clock in the morning because it's pitch black was uh, the point. But you, well, you, start, well, you might starve is the first thing, you know. In other words, but you, I won't be able uh, to find squirrels during the darkness <laughs> or whatever it is that I'm out hunting well, they, they, and gathering. See, that's the other complexity. The, the length of daylight, is, of course, changes with the seasons, you know. But I think that might be the reason, basically, you know. You better get up and you better get going, you know. Otherwise, if you stay in bed too long, you won't have enough time to gather food. Is one idea. But you're right. It, it's not fully clear why this, this would have happened. It is a great excuse for people who find it tremendously difficult to get out of the scratcher. I am genetically predisposed to find this difficult, don't nag me. Anton, it's true. It's hard to believe and it's actually true. And it's a great thing. There's a condition called familial advanced sleep phase syndrome. They are people who get up at half four in the morning, right? And it runs in families and that was seen as well. And again, there was a difference in these genes in those people. So again, that was more evidence that this is genetic. So in other words, you can say, yes, I'm a morning lark or I, I'm a night owl. What I love is that adolescence, it all goes off kilter. They've studied this because adolescence, as we know, don't get up hardly at all during the day. And then again, when you become an adult, it clicks back into place. So we see that that's more evidence for this. And the thing I really like, and I know you love this, I'm going to hear this. So they did a study on vaccination, my favourite topic, as you know. And it turns out, if you vaccinate in the afternoon, the vaccine's more effective than if you vaccinate in the morning. And that must mean your, your clock is in the right orientation to allow the immune system to work better in the afternoon. And again, that seems to be tied into these genes as well. Now, what this might mean is, and this, this, is, this, is, this may be true, they will recommend times for vaccination to increase the potency of the vaccine, depending on your chronotype is the name of this, by the way, whether you're a morning lark or so. It's, it's got, it can be quite serious in a sense or useful to know what your, your so-called chronotype is. Well, there's a man who has been on this show once or twice who has a, a YouTube channel by the name of his, his mentor pilot is, is what he goes at. He's a, a training pilot in, in um, Europe, but he does air crash investigation analysis and, and uh, report analysis. But one of the things that he talks about a lot is, I think what he describes it as the, the area of circadian low, where even if you are well rested, there's yeah. a certain part of the swing of the clock from about two o'clock in the morning to six, 
where it is desperately difficult to stay awake That's it. because everything about you is fighting to go back to sleep even if you're well rested. You've got it. Before. We are effectively machines is the sad truth of this. So in other words, melatonin is the famous one. Melatonin starts to peak in you just before you want to go to bed, you know, and that tr- it's like a natural sleeping tablet in your own body, you know. And of course, if that shifted a bit in some people or it's earlier in others, that will determine when you start to feel sleepy. The second hormone is cortisol. Just before you wake up, usually about 13 minutes, you get a massive pull of this thing called cortisol and that seems to get your engines revving you know what I mean and again can you imagine if, you're, if the cortisol is at a different time you, you should not be presenting a very early morning show for it because you, you wouldn't be there's there's a lot of degree of general principle but, of that but it just shows you how the, these hormones then seem to govern our, our chronotypes and am I right in saying that the, the effect that caffeine has is that effectively it blocks melatonin receptors so you end up with a, a melatonin build up and then crash off the back of the caffeine yeah yeah. caffeine is a fascinating it affects several hormones melatonin's one the other one is a adenosine that can build up and make you feel sleepy you see and, and, and a caffeine mainly target and again if you block adenosine you're, you're much more awake then if you take it a lot this gets really off kilter then you've trouble sleeping when you should so that's another kind of consequence of these so things. does that mean then going back to the Neanderthal DNA defining whether or not you are a morning person or a, an evening person does that mean that there is no way to train yourself to be the other are you doomed by your genetics no, it's, it's as ever it's more complicated. Other things can entrain your body clock. Food actually does. So time of day of eating can get your clock back into the right, right phase, as it were. So food is a big one. And certain behavioural things can help as well. But they reckon this genetic thing is the uh, overriding sort of disposition you might have, depending on the variance in these genes that you carry. Which are you? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a night owl. Yeah. Oh, I am. I, I come alive. I'm like a vampire. I come alive at night. <laughs> and I thought, it's great. This. If you're a night owl, guess what? You're inclined to be more creative. Isn't that nice? This, this has been shown statistically. A bit more creative. Uh, baseball players, this is a big thing in America, who were night owls were better at baseball. For some reason, if they had that chronotype, there was statistical evidence they were better at baseball. But it's not, it's not all bad, though. If you're a morning lark, you're more agreeable and conscientious. So it's okay to be a morning lark. Text saying, I'm going to China in January. By the time I adjust to the time change, it's time to come home. Anything I can do. Well, that, that, that's what reveals some of this. Because, of course, in ancient times, you never got jet lag because you couldn't go fast enough to escape your time zone. But, of course, once flights begin, people spot you're off kilter. And that's very uneasy for people, remember. Their, their body's out of sync then with the daylight and they're waking at the wrong time. I was, I was in um, America this week. I was waking at three o'clock in the morning with a full day's work ahead. It's really disturbing. You can't do much. You get, get into the local time as quick as you can. I'll try to go to bed at night, you know, when it's night time. Get out in the daylight. Get the, of course, sunlight sets the clock every day anyway. So the power of sunlight is massive here and try to get into sync with, uh, with the local conditions. Which brings us back to where we started. Grand L stretch on the way. Yes. Isn't it a wonderful Thanks, time? Luke, thank you very much for that. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.